worship leaders today. Appreciate that. You know, uh, w- what a powerful truth that is uh, that we just sang. The, the song itself is subtitled The Creed because it takes those statements of truth that are historically a part of what's known as the Creed, the Apostles' Creed, and, and it puts them into that song. John chapter 1, verse 12 tells us, To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that truly is our prayer today, is that you would, you would believe in Jesus by faith and that you would know for certain that you have trusted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Great truths. We're going to take a moment now to dismiss our kids upstairs for kids crew. So as our kids who are fourth grade and under kind of gather here at the front, they'll head upstairs with our leaders. And uh, then after church, they'll, they'll be available for parents to uh, reclaim, if you will. While they're doing that, find the book of Hosea in your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Hosea is one of the minor prophets, sometimes referred to as the book of the 12, these 12 works, these 12 minor prophets that uh, are really such powerful works that the only thing minor about them really is their length. Uh, the, the fact that they are called minor prophets has absolutely nothing to do with their significance or the substance really just has everything to do with their length. There are the major prophets, which were the, the longer written prophetic works and the minor prophets, which are the shorter written prophetic works in the Old Testament. While you're turning there, I want to draw your attention to our registration cards. If you're a guest, if you're a newcomer worshiping with us today, we want to encourage you to fill one of these out. And then as you leave today, if you would drop it in our offering boxes, which are located in the foyer, or we've made another way, sort of a digital way, contactless way for you to let us know that you're here as well. For those of you who are in the room, and especially for those who are worshiping online with us this morning, you can go to fbcchickasha.org slash connect. And there's an online web form. It's essentially the same information as this written card. And you can fill that out. And when you submit that, it's sent to us as a staff. We want to know that you're here this morning. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to follow up with you and help connect the dots. If you're looking for a place to get plugged in and connected in the life of our church, a place where you can study the Bible with a group of people, ministries for you, for your children, things of that nature, we want to help navigate that. And let me tell you one other specific thing that you could use that for today. There's a a place on the backside of this card or a, a section on the digital version if you're using that where you can just kind of fill in the blank, right? You can give us a prayer request. You can let us know what's going on. And and particularly, if you have needs related to this week's ice storm, maybe you've got got, uh, downed limbs or other things that are a result of the storm, and maybe you're just needing a little extra help in the days to come, let me encourage you, fill out that card and leave it with us today so that we can follow up with you. We're doing our best to try to work through uh, our contacts and, and, and getting in touch with people to make sure that we assess what those needs are so that we can, of course, be working on meeting those needs. We had guys who were out yesterday working chainsaws and hauling off limbs and other things. And, and we want to help you if you have needs that we might be able to help with. There's another side of that as well. Maybe you are available to help. Maybe you're somebody who, maybe you've got some time, maybe you've got the equipment, maybe you've got just the means, maybe it's just a strong back and a weak mind, right? Maybe you're just willing and able, if nothing else. If that's you, well, let us know that as well. We want to help connect you. We can find ways to plug you in and we can help connect the dots 
um, as we are working to try to serve those needs and meet those needs in the, in the days to come. And so again, regardless of how that might hit you, how that might affect you, if you would use this form to, to let us know, and you can do that either with the card if you're here in the room or the online form, both for those in the room and those who are joining us virtually this morning through our, our streams, okay? So that would just be something for you to be aware of. You know, the book of Hosea, as we dig into the book of Hosea today, the book of Hosea, in many ways, we might consider to be one of the more PG-13 rated books of the Bible. And here's what I mean by that, is there is a very serious weight and a very serious subject matter that's involved with the book of Hosea that is in no means is it in any way... Um, uh, vulgar is no means is it in any way inappropriate, but it's it's it is for a more mature audience in as much as we understand not only the depth of what's happening and its application. It's not something that that is maybe as accessible for many, and yet when we really dig in and we understand the picture of what's there, I think there is this beautiful, this beautiful and wonderful portrayal of the love of God for us and not only that the love of God for all people who have sinned and strayed and and initially of course that speaks to the nation of Israel Hosea even tells us as much that God is using Hosea's own life and his own circumstances as a means of visually portraying the very love that God had for his children the nation of Israel who had wandered away in sin and unfaithfulness. And even from that, we, we see these layers, these unfolding layers of God's love and his pursuit for us that we'll learn as a lesson from Hosea's story. This is the last in our series of sermons that we're calling Lesson Learned. And in each of these, we have looked at a figure in the Old Testament scripture who has gone through some hard times, and we've seen key lessons that have been learned in each of their stories. We began several weeks ago with the story of Joseph. Joseph, whose brothers betrayed him. Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery. And yet, there comes a point in Joseph's life when God has uniquely positioned him, not only to, not only to be in a position of authority, and not only to be in a position of authority over his brothers, much as he had prophetically foretold with interpreting dreams in his younger years, but also importantly, God has uniquely positioned Joseph to rescue a nation and fulfill God's promise. We saw then the final, or the, the following week rather, in the book of, um, of 2 Kings, we saw the story of Elijah. I said 2 Kings, I meant 1 Kings, the story of Elijah. We saw in Elijah's story how God worked through this circumstance and, and God worked through what for Elijah was really a a depression that he went through, a down season in his life. And yet God came to Elijah in his low moment and reminded him, Elijah, I'm not finished with you. I'm not done with you. And we, we talked about don't give up when God's not done. You, get, you, you persevere, you keep going, you, you, you press on knowing that God will sustain you, he will provide. We saw in the story of Daniel that, that God used Daniel's faithfulness because God is faithful. And, and as faithful as Daniel was to honor the Lord and be true to what God had called him to do, it, it points to God being even more faithful, all the more faithful as we follow after him. Last week we saw in the story of Jonah 
God's love for everyone, his love for all mankind, all humanity, all the earth, and his desire that those who are lost would find salvation. Even Jesus told his followers that the the story of Jonah was intended to be not only, I mean, it was a real story, but Jesus says, listen, that's the sign. It's a sign to this generation that I, the Son of Man, will be in the grave for three days. And on the third day, I will, I will rise up from the dead to save, to bring salvation. And just as God delivered Jonah from the belly of the fish on the third day, and, and the message of salvation came to those who were lost and far from God, we see that we can be made right with God through the work of Christ who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried, but then on the third day was resurrected victorious. And the story of Hosea, then being the final story that we'll look at in this series, is really a story that has this, this picture of redemption, this picture of restoration. But in order to get to all of that, we have to see that Hosea goes through some hard times, some hard circumstances. Let me tell you a little bit about Hosea. We don't know a lot historically about the person Hosea. We know that Hosea was the son of a man named Barry, and we see that in Hosea 1. 1. It lists his name and the name of his father, and it tells us that in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and also in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. This would have been Jeroboam the second. Now, you can go to 2 Kings chapters 14 through 17, and you read the story of Jeroboam the second. Jeroboam was a wicked king in, in so many ways. He was a wicked king of, of Israel who, who did many wicked and awful things in leading the nation further and further away from God in this cult idolatry of the false god, the idol Baal. And, and yet in the midst of all of that, God sent prophets to remind his people of his plan and his purpose. And not only to remind them of that, but to tell them of coming judgment, to tell them that there was a reckoning that was coming and that God was going to take them through some difficult things as a way of as a way of not only punishing them, disciplining them, but then also of refining them and preserving a remnant. And that's exactly what God says in the book of Hosea. And he uses the story of Hosea's life, and particularly Hosea's marriage, to preach that. Now, if you read the book of Hosea, and, and, and as you, we're going to read portions of it together today, and as you begin to put together the pieces of this story, it's a bit troubling When we think that God has called Hosea to do something so radically difficult. Essentially, God says to Hosea this. I want you to go and take a wife who's a prostitute. And I want you to have children with her. Children that, that, and then he gives them these names. We'll read more about this in a minute. And, And God says to Hosea, all of this is going to be is going to be a picture to the nation Israel of their unfaithfulness to me, toward me. And so God tells Hosea to do something that seems to us not only radical, but really hard. And if we're going to understand the story of Hosea, we need to understand some foundational truths about God's work and God's character in our lives. And and the most important thing that, that we need to see is that 
how it relates to these hard things, these hard lessons. See, we've seen again and again as we've looked at these lessons learned in the Old Testament that, that sometimes we will go through hard times and we will deal with difficult circumstances in our life. We, we have to deal with some hard things. And yet, some of the most important lessons that we will learn in life come from the most difficult situations that we will walk through. Some of our most important lessons, some of the lessons that will refine us, that will shape us and shape our faith more than anything else will be the lessons we learn through life's hardest times. In the book of Hosea, we see this. We see in Hosea's life and in his story that hard times will teach you whether your life is is built on or based on the pursuit of happiness or the pursuit of holiness. See, in Hosea's life, God calls Hosea to do something that clearly is going to make him unhappy. And yet, for Hosea, for Hosea to be faithful to God and faithful to God's calling, he, he had to obey. He had to trust God enough to, to obey and to listen and do what God had called him to do. Hosea had to make a choice in the midst of his hard times. Am I going to pursue happiness or am I going to pursue holiness? We learn in Hosea's story that hard times will teach you rather whether your faith rests on reason or on righteousness. See, if your faith rests on reason, if you will be faithful when it makes sense, when it seems to you like a good idea, then then there's going to be a lot of circumstances and a lot of situations in your life when you're going to say, no, no, God, that's not what I want. That's not what I signed up for. And in in reality, what you do is you make yourself God in the sense that you call the shots. You dictate when, when you will be faithful. You are the one that decides what is good and what is right. We learn from Hosea's life that real faithfulness, the picture of Covenant faithfulness to God is not so much about reason and understanding. It's more about righteousness. Will we we obey God and do what is right even when it's difficult? We also learn through Hosea's story that hard times will teach you whether your foundation rests upon the sand, if it's it's built upon the sand, to borrow the the analogy of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, or the solid rock? Is your foundation built upon the sand or the solid rock? Jesus says clearly in Matthew 7 that everyone whose life is built on, that, on the sand, that when the storms rise, that the sands will shift, the waters will, will come and will wash away their foundation. But those who build their life on the rock will withstand life's storms. And when we go through hard times, it shows us Where is is my foundation? Does it rest on the sand or is is my life, the foundation of my faith built upon the solid rock? This is what I want you to see. Sometimes God will take you through some things in order to get you to the thing that he has for you. You see that? Hard times can teach us. Hard times can, can refine us. Hard times can lead us closer to the Lord when we will lean into him, when we will trust him. And sometimes God will take you through some things in order to get you to the thing that he has for you. Hosea understood that. And so when God called him to do something that was really hard and really difficult, 
Hosea, amazingly, trusts God enough to obey him. So let's look further at the story of Hosea and, and let's, let's examine the, the lessons that we learn through the story. I, I want to begin looking in Hosea chapter 1 together and I want us to see particularly four different lessons that we learn in Hosea's life in his story. The first lesson is, is this, and these lessons, by the way, you'll notice are all about God. The lesson from Hosea's life has everything to do with teaching us more about who God is and how God works and his character and his love for us. The first lesson is this, is simply God pursues. God pursues. Even when we wander in sin, even when we we stray away, God comes after us. And we see that in Hosea's story. Let's read together Hosea chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of Hordom, and have children of Hordom, for the land commits great Hordom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call his name Jezreel, for in, a, in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So Jezreel was a place, it was a valley. In fact, significantly enough, uh, we read in the story of Jeroboam that Jeroboam actually slaughtered Jeroboam II, the, the, the king of whom uh, Hosea is a contemporary and prophesized in, in his days, Jeroboam slaughtered his own family in the valley of Jezreel. And yet God calls Hosea to name his own son Jezreel because it's a sign of God's coming judgment and his, his discipline against the house of Israel. In verse 6 we read, She conceived again and bore him a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horse or by horsemen. And when she weaned no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name, not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. And so here are these two other children, Lo-Ami in the Hebrew, which means, which means no mercy. And then Lo-Ruhamah, which means not my people. And so God has given Hosea this explicit command. Take a wife, take Gomer as your wife, who is a prostitute, and have children with her. And so she bears these Children and the names of the children. How would you like this, right? How would you like it if the if your name? Because we, we think about our names and the meanings of our names. The names of Hosea's children have to do with God's judgment and and uh, the the sins of the people. And yet, in each of these, there is a picture of God's loving pursuit of His people. Now, it's not it's not readily clear 
just yet. We have to keep going. We have to read Hosea's story. We have to watch the events of Hosea's life unfold. But I want you to, I want you to expect this. I want you to anticipate this as we keep reading and we keep looking at the story. That what's happening here is that God is pursuing his people who have wandered away from him and sin. And Hosea tells us as much. Hosea has the insight, the knowledge to know that this is what God is doing. God is calling me to do something really hard. And even through my life and my story and my testimony, God is going to show Israel how much he loves them. And at the same time, how far they have wandered away from him. So God pursues us. That's an important lesson for us to understand today as well. Because much like Israel, we wander astray. We wander away into sin, don't we? We find ourselves in circumstances and situations in life when we have clearly, when we have clearly wandered away from God's call, when we have clearly disobeyed, when we have clearly run from what God has told us to do. And yet even in our disobedience, even when we wander from God, God lovingly pursues us. He comes after us. That's the picture that you need to see when you understand all of this and trying to build this bridge of sorts between the context of Israel and this day and this time and the time of Hosea and us and, and, and you and, and our lives today and, and, and your own story and your own experiences is that just like Israel is this example of an an unfaithful spouse, we too play the role of the adulterous spouse when it comes to the relationship that we have with God. We are not faithful to him. We wander away in sin. We turn our backs on him. We do what is wrong. And yet God loves us. And he pursues us just as he calls Hosea to love and pursue Gomer. So the second lesson we learn is, is this, that God forgives that God forgives. When we see the story of what's happening both with God and Israel, which of course is the, the bigger picture vision here, but also with Hosea and his wife Gomer, we see that God forgives. God forgives us just as he calls, just as he calls Hosea to pursue and to forgive his wife Gomer. And so in verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. So consider this for a moment, right? God has just said to Hosea, I want you to, to name these children, and he gives them these very specific names, right? No mercy, not my people, for you're not my people. You've not done what I've called you to do. You have, you have wandered away from me. You have been unfaithful to me like an adulterous wife, is, is what God is saying through Hosea's life and his, and his own witness and his, and his prophetic ministry. And yet, in, even in the picture of that, we see that God will remain faithful to his covenant. This, this is a picture of God's covenant with Abraham, isn't it? God told Abraham, look out and, and see the stars in the sky. That your, your children, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Look at the, at the sands of the, the shore. Your, your descendants will be as numerous as the grains of sand on the shore. Right? God is saying to Abraham initially, 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. And now through Hosea, he's reminding Israel of the covenant that he made with them. And he's saying, I'm still going to be faithful to you, even though you have been unfaithful to me. God forgives. God continues to, in his love for us, he comes after us and he, and he forgives us and he's patient with us. Let's keep reading. And in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together and they shall point for themselves one head and they shall go up from the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. This is a foreshadowing of things to come when when God would fulfill his promise, when God would, when he would establish a king to rule over his people. Of course, we know through through the, the benefit of being on the other side of Jesus and his atoning work on the cross, we know that ultimately God accomplishes this through Jesus. That God did send a king to reign over his people. God did send one to fulfill his promise. God did send one who would, who would establish the nation by faith, and that was Jesus. And yet God is saying to Hosea here, to the nation of Israel, in spite of your unfaithfulness, I will remain faithful. And if you would repent and return to me, I will forgive you. I will, I will do the very thing that I promised. God forgives. This is such an important lesson for us. Because oftentimes, in the midst of our wonderings, in the midst of our sin, the thing that we need the most is to go to God in repentance. The thing that we need the most is to turn our hearts back to him for his restoring work to be done, for his redeeming work to take place. We, we need to go to him humbly and seek his forgiveness. And yet, so often we feel unworthy or we feel, we, we feel just so distant from God, separated from him because of our sin. And it just seems, I've gone so far, I've wandered so far away, how do I ever get back? And here's the, the key point that we need to understand is that it begins with humbling ourselves before him and asking for forgiveness and repentance that we would turn back to God. And when we do, we'll find that God forgives. God forgives us every time we turn to him, we call on him. The third lesson we learn from Hosea's life is, is this, is that God redeems. God redeems We're going to fast forward just a little bit now to chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 19. And as we look at Hosea chapter 2, verse 19, I want you to see, again, the picture of God's redemption at work in the life of his people. Again, Hosea is speaking from his own life, his own circumstances. This isn't just a story to Hosea. This is his story. This is his testimony. Hosea isn't just describing something that happened to somebody else. Hosea is is using his own story of his own hard circumstances, his own hard times and the difficulties and the pains that he had lived through to preach the good news of redemption to the nation of Israel. If they would turn to God, who loved them, who pursued them, God would would forgive them. And not only would he forgive them, he would redeem them from their sin. And so in chapter 2, verse 19, we read this. 
And I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. And I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine and the oil. And they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. God reminds Hosea that even though Hosea was married to an adulterous wife, an unfaithful wife, God reminds Hosea that there's coming a day when, when things would be made right, when things would be restored. And, and God says, there will come a day when your children, even your children named No Mercy, will receive mercy. And, and your son, whose name is not my people, will, will hear me say, you are my people. And he will say, you are my God. That there's coming this day of redemption, God says. And it's Hosea's own marriage that is a, a figure of this. You know, amazingly enough, we see again and again in the Bible that God uses marriage to teach us about the gospel. Even in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, Paul writes about the picture of marriage. Paul writes, I tell you this, this mystery refers to Christ and the church. Now, he's speaking specifically in context of the picture of marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's instruction that's given to wives that they should submit to their husbands. There's instruction that's given to husbands that they should love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And then in verse 31, he quotes from the Old Testament. And he says that, that a husband will take, uh, for this reason, a husband will leave his father and mother and take a wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says in verse 32, and I tell you, this mystery refers to Christ and the church. Again and again, we see in the Bible that marriage is a picture of the relationship between God and his people, the covenant between God and his people. And in Hosea's own life and in Hosea's own marriage, we see that this is, again, a reminder, a picture of God's love for his people. Hosea, if you will, it takes the, the role here, the, the figure of, of, of God and his love for the nation Israel. Or we could say, in light of the gospel of Christ and his love for his people, his bride, the church. And just as Christ loves the church perfectly, and just as Christ sacrificed himself and gave up his life to redeem the church from their sin, to redeem us from our sin, we see in Hosea's own story that God loves us and that he will redeem us from our sin because of his love for us. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful to us. That's the beautiful picture in the story of Hosea. God calls Hosea to do something that seems impossibly hard. And yet through that, God shows us that even in our most difficult circumstances, even in the hardest seasons of our life, God pursues us. God forgives us when we turn to him. God redeems us from our brokenness and our sin when we call on him. Finally, we learn this lesson from Hosea's life, that God restores. That God takes what is broken. 
God takes what has been marred by sin and he restores it. He restores us. Look in Hosea chapter 6. Jump ahead again to Hosea chapter 6. And let's read the first three verses. Essentially, you have in Hosea chapters 1, 2, and 3, the story of Hosea's life. And, and, and this picture of how Hosea's life and his marriage points us to understand God's love for his children. And even foreshadows the work of Christ and his love for us. And then in Hosea chapters 4 through 9, and then again in 10 through 14, we, we have these, these sets of prophecies and, and poems and oracles that Hosea has given us. Really, it's a collection in many ways of Hosea's teachings over a lifetime that are meant to remind us of God's love for his children. And in the midst of that, we have this passage in Hosea chapter 6, which shows us that God restores us when we return to him, when we repent of our sins and we turn back to him. So it's Hosea writes, Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Hosea is using this this imagery to say that as certain as the the things of nature, as certain as we know that that God goes forth, as certain as we know that God's going to send the spring rains to water the earth, we can know that God is is going to forgive us when we return to him. He's going to redeem us when we call on him by faith and that he will restore us when we look to him, when we humble ourselves and acknowledge him as our Lord. And I love how verse 2 hints at the coming of Christ. How Hosea 6.2 hints at the work of Christ. You see this? He's talking about the third day. On, after two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up. What happened on the third day in the story of Christ? Of course, we, we know that Christ was raised from the dead. And it's a picture of how... When, when Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised up with him. When we trust in Jesus, he's, he's, he's pointing to, he's, he's, he's hinting at much greater things that are to come. When we look to the Lord, when we call on him and ask for his forgiveness, he redeems us, he restores us, he makes right what is broken. And then in the end, Hosea ends his, his prophecy, his, his life's story By telling us the point of all of this. Go to Hosea chapter 14 verse 9. It's the final verse in the book of Hosea. But it's also in many ways it's the the exclamation point. It's the final punctuation that Hosea uses to, to show us what all of this is about. Hosea writes, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. In other words, Hosea is saying this. If you, if you want to have wisdom, if you want to have understanding, 
Look at my own story. Look at my testimony. Look at what happened. And learn your lesson from these things. Learn the lesson of God's love, that God loves you, that God wants to pursue you in your sin, that God forgives when you turn to him and seek forgiveness, when you repent of your sin, that God redeems. When we will turn away from our sin, when we will come back to him, God will redeem us and that God restores. God has the power to take what was broken and make it right. God has the power to take what seems like a mess in our lives and to use it beautifully as a a demonstration of his love, as a picture of the hope that we have in the gospel. God pursues, forgives, redeems, restores when we look to him. And Hosea says to us, the ways of the Lord are right and the upright walk in them. Today, will you learn the lesson from Hosea? Would you be as one who is upright, one who has understanding, one who knows the Lord's wisdom? Would you walk in the ways of the Lord? Would you do what is right? Would you look to God who has pursued you in your sin, that you might be forgiven, that you might be redeemed and restored? Just as God loved Israel and pursued them, and uses Hosea's own life as a, as a picture of that, as a, as, as a metaphor, a demonstration of that, we understand that God loved us and he pursues us in our sin, that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, just as Hosea 6, 2 tells us on the third day he would make right what was broken. And he did, in fact, raise us up on the third day because he raised up Christ from the dead and all who call on Jesus by faith are forgiven of their sins, who are redeemed from their sins, restored, made right with God through trusting in Jesus by faith. It's the hope that we have. It's the picture of God's love for us. And my prayer today is that you would learn the lesson of the life of Hosea, of how much God loves you, and the great links that God has gone to in order that you might be forgiven and redeemed and restored. That you, who perhaps once lived without mercy, might receive God's mercy. That you, who were once perhaps not God's people, might call on Him as your God and might hear Him say, You are my people. You are my son. You are my daughter. You are my beloved. Would you be willing to trust in Jesus? By faith. In a moment, we're going to enter into a time of response, a time of invitation. In our time of invitation today, if you sense that God is speaking and He's working in your life, and particularly if you if you sense God moving and stirring in your heart, that, that you've never trusted Jesus by faith. There's never been that moment when you've turned to Him and, and sought forgiveness. When as as Hosea even says, when you have lived in the way of wisdom and understanding by walking in the ways of the Lord that are right. If there's never been that moment in your life when you have turned to the Lord by faith. And friend, I I pray that you would come today and that you would trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. That you would return to him. That you might be forgiven of your sins, redeemed and restored through the saving work of Christ. All it takes is that you would believe in him. Even as we sang in the last song before the message today, even as I quoted to you from John chapter 1, verse 12, that says, To all who believed in him, who called on his name, he gave the right to become sons and daughters, children of God. 
If you would believe in him today, you can be forgiven. You can be redeemed. You can be set free in Jesus. And if that's you, then I pray that you would come during our invitation today. Let me lead you through a prayer of commitment, a prayer of surrender. That you might commit your life to him. That you might walk with Jesus the rest of your days. But maybe, perhaps for some, God's call today is not that you would turn to Christ for salvation, but that you would turn back to God from your sin. Maybe you've trusted in Jesus, but, but you've wandered away, as we all do from time to time. And today, God is saying to you, come back, repent, return. Heed the lesson of Hosea's life. If you want to have wisdom and understanding, if you want to experience God's blessing, walk in the ways of the Lord because they are right. Would you return to him today that you might be forgiven, that you might be restored? If that's you, then as we sing this song of invitation, I pray that you would, you would come. You can use the steps of this stage as an altar where you might dedicate your life to the Lord, where you might say, Lord, I want to I return to you. Would you forgive me of my sin? I want to walk in your ways and, and do what is right. You might devote yourself and devote your life to him today. However God is leading, however he's stirring, moving in your heart, I pray that you would respond in obedience to him in a moment as we sing this song of invitation. First, I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. And I want to use this moment of prayer as a, as a really, truly a moment of dedication where we dedicate our, our, our response to the Lord, where we, where we look to him and, and even just as a moment where we, where we pause and we collect our thoughts and we reflect on God's truth and his word that we might prepare ourselves for how he wants to move in us today.